0: Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Haggai. I'm kidding, all right? just wanted to see if you are paying attention, all right? (laughs) I do read other books of the Bible than Hebrews, all right? But that's the series we're in, Hebrews chapter 11. The looks on some of your faces, like, what? Haggai? Where's that at? At least I didn't have you turn to Hezekiah. Some of you have been looking. But anyway, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through 3 as we have every week. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, Romans one seventeen, the other verse we've read every week. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In these many weeks we've been looking at these different Bible characters and how God uses them as an illustration to illustrate the doctrinal truth he just mentioned in verses 1 through 3. Uh, If you want to know what faith is, God gives his definition in verses 1 through 3. And then the remainder of the chapter, God gives us illustrations. And we've looked at many different ones. We'll not go through those. Uh, We've been looking at verse number 32, if you will read there. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets. And then God gives some just incredible things about these people of faith who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, uh, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, "...women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy." They wandered in deserts and in the mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Amazing statements God makes about these people of faith. We're not going to look at all of those statements. We're going to look back in that verse number 32. We we started talking last week about Samson. And uh, Samson was one of the judges of Israel. We looked a little bit at him last week. And as I said last week, if I were going to make a list of people of faith that I wanted to highlight, I promise you Samson would not have been on my list. Uh, When most of us think of Samson, we do a little word association. I say Samson, you say Delilah, Delilah. exactly. And that gives a, a part of the story of his life. But we do need to remember he ruled Israel for 20 years. He was called of God to be a judge. And uh, we see that God did use him. We'll talk about that a little bit in the, the lesson as we go along. Um, and he did demonstrate faith. We'll talk about that as we go along. Last week we looked at, um, at his parents... And when you look at the life of Samson, much like Moses, to find out why we would call him a person of faith, somebody that demonstrated faith, uh, we have to look at his parents. We saw last week his parents knew the voice of God. When the angel of God came and spoke to them, they responded. Uh, We find that he was specifically given of God. He was promised, you're going to have a son, and he's going to serve me. He was specially given of God. Uh, God had a plan for his life. We look at Samson and we think about um, his his failures. We think of him with Delilah. We think about him with the prostitutes. We think about him, and we'll talk about some of that this morning. We forget that God did have a plan for him. He was to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And it was his parents that began to train him how to serve God. We looked at, uh, at Judges 13, if you will. I forgot to have you put a marker there. Judges 13. And this is when the angel of the Lord now is speaking uh, to Samson's mother in, in verse number 7, Judges thirteen seven, And said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the days of his death, or to the day of his death. Notice this. God said, your son is going to be a Nazarite. He's going to have a special vow to me. It's interesting that God said, because you are going to have a son, thou shalt conceive. So she had not yet conceived. The angel then said, you're going to change your lifestyle. Notice that. She was not to drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. Why? Because the child that she was going to have was going to be a Nazarite. And those things would, would be something that would, that would defile him. You talk about knowing that life begins at conception. It's a great verse for that. God ordered his mother to change her life because she was about to have a child that needed to be set apart for God. But we need to take a good look at that in our culture again, amen? Uh, In verse number four, um, they were commanded, drink not wine or strong drink and eat not any unclean thing. Our desire to see our children be all that God intended them to be ought to alter our behavior. It ought to cause us to live more holy because of the influence we have on our children. We saw that in the life of Samson and his parents did exactly that. But now as we shift, if you go to chapter 16 of the book of Judges, We'll see that God did use Samson, but there's one thing that, as you and I look at the life of Samson, we have to, we have to agree upon, and that is this, Samson was at all costs going to satisfy his flesh, because that is what he did over and over again. Uh, he did what he wanted to do, not what God commanded him to do. Uh, and let me just say this, you cannot sow to sin and pray for a crop failure The Bible is still clear when it says in in, in, uh, Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The law of sowing and reaping is you will reap what you sow, you will reap where you sow, and you will reap more than you sow. Numbers 32, 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And so we see in the life of Samson, he thought he could live any way he want to and it not affect him. But we see God highlights for us what happens to even a person that was specially chosen of God when they choose to go their way instead of God's way. They see what happens to them. Let's go to Judges chapter 16. We'll begin in verse number 1, and uh, we'll read down through the chapter. This is the story. Most of us are very, very familiar with it. Uh, verse number 1, Then went Samson to Gaza. And Saul there in Harlot and went in unto her. And it was told to the, the, the Gazites that, saying, Samson has come hither, and they compassed him in, and lay wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till, uh, till midnight, and rose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the hill, that is before Hebron, so you see here a demonstration of his his strength. Uh, now we understand that this strength was not natural strength, uh, it came because of the vow that he had uh, with God, and it was tied to his hair. And uh, he was to be a perpetual Nazarite, I meaning he wasn't going to cut his hair. I like showing the, the Old Testament story of the Nazarites to those who use that to demand the why they have long hair. Well, I'm a Nazarite. Well, number one, you're not, because you're eating unclean things and all the other things. But in normal Nazarite vows, you shaved your head after a while. So get the razor out, buddy. But anyway, in the life of Samson, he was to be a perpetual Nazarite. And we see that, that this uh, this event here, verse number four. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman uh, in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and uh, came up in, unto her, and, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us. 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said unto Samson, tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherein thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Uh, And Samson said unto her, if they bind me with seven green widths that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as any other man. And then the lords of the Philistines brought up her seven green widths which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were uh, men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he, he brake the wisp as a thread of toe is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, whether uh, thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then shall I be weak and be as Another man, and Delilah therefore took the the new, new ropes and bound him therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait, abiding in the chamber, and he brake them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with a web, and, and she fastened it with a pen, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep, and went away with a pin of the beam and, and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee? Well, she's working him, isn't she? Uh, when thine heart is not with me. Uh, thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. And if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And he she, she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him, put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Here we see how he was captured and as we look at the life of, uh, of Samson, we see that over and over again he's been doing what satisfies his flesh, even though he had special ability from God, special calling of God. And I see some things here about him in, in his life, and we'll get to how this applies to faith towards the end. We see here in verse number 20 the loss of his capability. We see as he's, he finally tells uh, Delilah after over and over again, she, she asks him, you know, where's your strength? And, and he mocks her a few times and finally he tells the story. Notice this in the end of verse number 20 when he says, I will go at other times and shake myself and he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. The loss of his capability. He had power that came from God because of the special calling upon his life. And when it was gone, he didn't even recognize it. Um, he was used to having the power of God. Now, would you think about that? Even with all that had gone on in the life of Samson, he had God's blessing. He had this special power. He was used to judge Israel. This is at the end of his life. There's a lot of his life, God doesn't give us the details, but we'll get to that in a moment. He, he was used to having the power of God, but now that was gone. But here's the tragic thing, end of verse 20, and he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. He was going through the motions without the might, and he didn't even know it. I wonder how many of us as believers, we do something for God. Maybe we have a position at church, we teach in a class, we, we direct a ministry, we do something, and we're so used to doing it, and we know how to do it, We've gotten to the point we can do it without the touch of God. I remember the very first time I ever preached scared me to death. I preached the day that I surrendered publicly to preach. And my bus captain, I was working a bus route, and he had me preach on the way home. And that one, I didn't have a whole lot of time to get nervous because he just asked me. He said, but Doug, did God call you to preach? I said, yes. He said, good, preach. I said, I plan to. He said, no, now. (laughs) What? (laughs) I had a busload of kids. We were heading out about 20 minutes to our first stop way out in the country. I got up and preached John 3, 16 and preached about four minutes. Never done that again. But, uh, <laughs> but I remember not long after that, our youth director, Brother Howard Cooper, asked me to speak for the youth department for our, for our Saturday night youth activity. Man, I remember just begging God, God, you've got to give me something out of this book. Now that's been 40, I'm too tired to do the math, over 40 years. And I wonder, Eric, how many times I've come to a pulpit not asking God the same way that I did that first time. Samson went about doing what he'd always done, but he did it without the power of God. When you have sin hidden in your life, you will lose the power you once enjoyed. Nobody else may know it, but you'll know. I want you to see verse number 21. And the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. We saw the loss of his condition, the loss of his capability, now the lowliness of his condition. Here's this great judge of Israel, the strong man. I mean, he yanked the gates off the city and carried him off, he, and he did all these other things. But now because of his sin, you notice the first thing, his darkness. It says they put out his eyes. Sin blinds. You ever notice somebody is messing around in sin? You, maybe some of you know, some of you in your family. They're in sin. They're not obeying God. They're not reading their Bible. They're not praying. They're not in church. They're living a life of sin. And they just make really stupid decisions. We put it on the front of the sign in front of our church one time. We had one of those movable letter signs. We put, you know, I kept hearing the phrase, when everything happens for a reason. So yeah, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes you're stupid and you make really bad decisions. <laughs> but when you're in sin, you don't think about that stuff. I promise you, when, when Samson went to Delilah, a woman he was actually forbidden to be with, he never dreamed they, he was going to have somebody come with a this special tool, It looked like a spoon that was razor sharp, and they would heat it in a, in, a, in a fire, and they took it and just scooped out his eye. And with the, the hot metal seared that, and he was blinded. He never thought that was going to happen. But what a picture of what happens to us when we walk away from the things of God, we have no reasoning in ourselves. Where does wisdom come from? From the fear of the Lord. Without fear of the Lord, you're not going to have any wisdom. What is wisdom? The ability to make decisions. What does the Bible say? The way of the transgressor is hard. I wonder how many of us are spiritually like Samson in that we have allowed our desires and our willingness to fulfill the desires of our flesh To keep us from seeing spiritually what God wants us to see and being able to fulfill what God had for us. Think about Samson. He was blinded. Um, Do you have a vision of what God wants to do for you? Can you see spiritually? Too many of us were walking by physical sight rather than spiritual sight. Uh, Look at verse number 21 again. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Because of his sin, and because of now that lack of God's ability and power upon his life, he's been captured, he's been blinded. We see his darkness, now we see his despair. He is chained, he's bound. Picture this man, now the one who couldn't be bound, now is. That wanna be a warning to us. There's not a single sin ever been committed Other than blaspheming the Holy Spirit that a believer can't partake in. Well, I would never do that. Well, Samson never thought he'd be here either. Why is he there? Sin. Um. He was bound because of that sin. Sin blinds, but sin binds. Proverbs 5.22 says, His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Pastor's been talking a little bit about liberty. You see, sin doesn't give you liberty. It brings bondage. I'm just going to do what I want to do. That won't last for long. Sin only brings bondage. No, no, no. I'm free. I can do whatever I want to. Well, tell the drunk that sin doesn't bind. Uh, I remember when uh, I I used to preach at a rescue mission in Jacksonville, Florida for about five years. I preached there two or three times a month. And I was down there often and and would see just wrecked lives. And Brother Joe, you see it all the time in the prison. One day I was down there and I had my sons with me. They were very little. We walked outside of the, the rescue mission. There was a man laying in the gutter in his vomit. I knew the man. He'd been to the rescue mission before. He had been the chief of surgery of Baptist Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida. In fact, if you stand in the front door of the rescue mission, you look straight across the St. John's River, you see Baptist Hospital. He used to lead the surgery teams there. Now he's laying in a gutter. I told my sons, I said, boys, here's why he's here. Because of sin, beer, liquor did that. He's chained. Do you think he wants to be there? No. Uh, Tell the drug addict that sin doesn't bind as he goes through withdrawal. Sin binds. Uh, Tell the gambler who's lost everything that sin doesn't bind. Samson learned that sin blinds and it sin binds. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John uh, John 8, 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You understand the only way you're truly going to be free is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. We see his, his darkness, his despair, where sin binds, sin blinds. But then we see the last part of verse 21. Look at it. He did grind in the prison house. What that means is they would chain him up to this pole that was attached to a, uh, another pole that, that had a grinding wheel. Just like you would chain up an oxen to that and it would just walk in circles. Grinding the grain. That's now what this great judge of Israel is doing. Sin grinds. He was humiliated into working like an animal. I'll just tell you what sin does. It only brings you down. It'll wreck and ruin your life. When your sin is exposed, you will lose all the respect people had for you. Samson had been a judge. Now he's a work animal. At the end of his life, they bring him out to this big gathering of all the Philistines into the middle of their temple where he's going to eventually knock it down. Why do they do that? To make sport of him. You see, that's what sin does. Sin causes us to bring reproach upon God, but it also brings reproach upon us, ruins our reputation. You say, well, what in the world is that to do to help us learn about faith? Well, go to verse number 21. We read this a moment ago. I'm so glad this verse is in the Bible. Yes, Samson got away from God. Yes, Samson uh, fulfilled the, the desires of his flesh. Yes, he, he went into to, to He He lived a life that was opposite of what God had told him to do. But verse 21, how be it? The hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Satan had destroyed his power, but you hear me, he had not destroyed all of his potential. If you're still breathing, God's not done. Hallelujah for that. They cut his hair, but he still had his head, amen? Uh, God had not forgotten about him. Let me just say this, about and, and we saw the loss of his capability, the loneliness of his condition, but we see the Lord of his covenant. God still knew who Samson was. God still had a plan for Samson. Now, he's not going to be able to do all that he could have done, but aren't you glad First John 1, 9 is in your Bible? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin will bring problems in the life of a believer. Aren't you glad you won't have to answer for it as far as your soul is concerned, though, once you trust in Christ? Hallelujah for that. But that doesn't mean you won't have things that affect you here. You see, sometimes God has to chasten us. That's what's going on in the life of, of Samson here. Let me just say this. As believers, God chastises us. He does not punish us. Let me say that again. As believers, God chastens us, but he does not punish us. Chastisement is correction to change action for the future. Punishment is payment for the wrong in the past. Aren't you glad your sin was punished, uh, that Christ was punished for your sin in the past on the cross? Hallelujah. But that chasing Hebrews tells us comes because God chastens every one of his children. Why? Because he loves them. Uh, when our kids were little, and, you know, you just like you, you warned your children, you know, don't go out in the street. You know, don't run out in the car, in front of cars. Why? Because you'll get hit by one. And your kid keeps doing that. So what do you do? You bring them in and you whoop them. It's not because you hate the child. You don't want them to get hit by a car. Amen? And, and so even though he had broken his covenant with God, here's the great thing. God still desired to use him again. We saw the laughter of his captors. Look at verses 23, and the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice, for they said, our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And of course, we know that wasn't true. What delivered him into their hand? Samson's own sin and the judgment of God. Verse number 24, and when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered it; our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. It came to pass when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he, must, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. I said this a moment ago, when we go into sin, as a believer, when your life is now messed up and wrecked by sin, the world will now mock you. Let me just say this, the world is watching you. And here Samson, is he's, he's being mocked by them, he becomes the, the, the focus of their disdain. Then we see that God steps into the scene once again. As we look at all of this, you say, where is the faith that God was talking about in Hebrews 11? Samson did not live a life we would want our sons to copy. Yet, when he he got to the end of his life, even after all that had happened in the judgment of God, he had an opportunity once again to do what God made him to do. What a wonderful thing about our God. Amen. Uh, we see his conquest in his life. He had killed the lion with his bare hands. He had, At his wedding celebration, he killed 30 Philistines. He took, this one's funny. I wish there was video of this one. He took the 300 foxes, took two of them together, tied their tails together, put a firebrand in the middle of it, did it for all three hitters. He got 150 sets of those, and he turns them loose in the Philistines' fields and sets their fields on fire. That one's kind of cool. I remember there. He slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. Can you imagine? I mean, this this man has done some great things. And Gaza tore the city gates loose. But we get to verse number twenty six, and we see the last of his conquest. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, "Suffer me, that I may feel the pillars upon the uh, whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them." Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld Samson while he made sport. Look at verse 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up of one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. I see some things about Samson here and I think this is where we find the faith. First of all, he went back to the basics. He went back to where he left God. He realized all this strength, it's not because of who I am. We got these wrong pictures of him. We got all, you know, all the, the cartoon color sheets for the kids in Sunday school for Samson. You got this guy that you know, looks like Mr. Olympus. You know, he's got all these big muscles. Now, he, he, was, he was an average man without the touch of God. Where did Samson have to go? He had to go back. To where he left God. You see, he knew God had created him for one purpose: to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Look back at chapter 13 of Judges again, and verse number five. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from his womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That's what God made him for. So when we see him here at the end of his life, he went back to basics. He went back to God. He went back to where he had left God. He had begun to think it was all about him. And he realized now, it's not about me at all. And he begins, you see in verse number 28, that he gets back to prayer. And Samson called unto the Lord. It had been a while since Samson had been praying. It's interesting, in what he's grinding in the prison house, we don't see him calling out to the Lord. It's kind of like Jonah. Why did he wait three days before he called out to God? I just have a sermon I preach on why did Jonah stay three days. I think I'd have been crying out to God when they threw me out of the ship before I was ever swallowed by the whale. But not Jonah, amen? Well, that's the way Samson is. He doesn't call out to God till that very end. When he's being made sportive, he gets back to prayer. He said, verse 28, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. He went back to basics. He went back to God. He said, It's God that's empowered me. It's not been me. He went back to prayer began to ask God for his blessing. In verse number 30, We see he's back in business. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. God used him again. I think the greatest lesson of faith in the life of Samson is this. That we can never get too far from God that we can't come back. We can get too far from God that we won't come back, but we always can. And when we come back to him, God is willing to forgive our sin and put us back in a place of usefulness. Doesn't mean we'll have the same position. He wasn't gonna judge Israel any longer, that he had forfeited. But he did get to fulfill the task for which he was made to begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Aren't you glad God's the God of the second chance? I mentioned Jonah. He ended up going and preaching eventually. I don't think he ever did it with a good attitude, but he did it. Uh, Abraham went to Egypt, but he came back to Bethel. Uh, David had, had sinned with Bathsheba, but then came back to God. Peter denied the Lord and cursed. He denied the Lord three times the night of the crucifixion. And yet God used him greatly. The way we see that Samson, he allowed Satan to influence him. He allowed self to influence him, his own desires to influence him. And it cost him years of usability by God. But the great lesson of faith was that Samson came back to God, got forgiveness, and God used him again. What a great truth. I think that's why God stuck him in Hebrews 11. Uh, God allowed him, once again, to be used of God. And showed us, yes, we all make mistakes. We all do things we wish we hadn't done. We sin, we fail our master. But God is there waiting for us to come back and say, God, I was wrong. Would you forgive me and now will you bless me? And Samson is an example of faith that God says, yes, I will. What a great truth. Amen? I don't care where you are in your Christian life. If God used you in a great way in the past and now he's not using you, you can get back to a place of usefulness. If You once were serving God and you've gotten away from him, you can come back to him and God's willing and ready to take you back. What a wonderful God we serve. You know what the picture of, of Samson is he's pulling those pillars in and knocking the building down. That is a picture of the grace of God. He didn't have to use Samson. He could have said, no, I'm going to let them just make fun of you. But when Samson realized it was God, not him, all along, God said, okay, one more time, I'm going to show you what I could do through you and allow you to do what I made you to do. What a great God we serve. Father, I pray you'd help us as we take the warnings from the life of Samson. May we not live a life that's dominated by flesh and self, but may we seek you. May we be hungry for your power and your touch. And may we be satisfied to live in obedience to you, and live by faith. I pray that you would help each of us as we've all had areas in our life where we have failed you. May we come back to you and and ask you to forgive us of those things. May we forsake them. May we ask for forgiveness, and then may we be used once again by you. Thank you for the example of the end of the life of Samson, that he once again had the touch of God upon his life. I pray you'd help us to be believers this week that live a life of usefulness in faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.